and now it's just sort of like uh this is like a quarantine beard this is just like <laughs> it's like going in my mouth i haven't done anything with it man man i uh, i can i can let it grow now but what i can't tolerate is uh, letting the kind of lip line or whatever like the mustache that's, come down I hate that's it. what mine's doing right now oh, yeah. i've been doing this all day and uh i need to get it squared away yeah man Jeez, well thanks for coming on no, thank you for having me. I enjoy talking about this nerdy, tough guy stuff that we talk about. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so the, I don't know if you've caught any of the other podcasts, but the forum is basically kind of casual, organic. Uh, I'm just interested in you, what you do, how you got into what you do, and your perspective on stuff. So just to kind of follow the flow of the conversation. I don't really have any particular format or structure to these, so it just kind of... Yeah, dude, I hate when dudes message me to be on their podcast and they give me a, a fucking, like, list of like rules and like <laughs> i'm like dude no i'm not coming on a podcast that has rules <laughs> like you could say don't swear or like don't right, right. pull your thing out you know what i mean <laughs> like, I but if it's like a, i'm like i'm not doing that nobody wants to hear that by the way swearing is totally okay on this <laughs> all right good uh you know i'm not in any hurry to see your thing so maybe don't put your thing yeah i won't it. okay <laughs> So one rule, I give you that one. Rule. <laughs> All right, cool. Everything else goes. All right, well, I'm just going to uh, uh, get started, and we'll we'll get going. How's it sound? Yeah, it's good. Cool. Welcome to the Kebab of Canuck podcast. We are now on episode 20 with uh, uh, a YouTube, uh, a YouTuber, a martial arts instructor, self defense instructor. Uh, also a, a law enforcement uh, law enforcement background, and I'm excited just to get into all that with uh, YouTube's channel with 175,000 subscribers. Hard to hurt. And uh, on Instagram is Icy Mike P. Please welcome to the podcast, Icy Mike, sir. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, TJ. It's uh, cool to be here, man. Man, so you are in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Man. How's the weather Beautiful. down there right now? Beautiful. Pandemic times. Yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Like it's <laughs> that weather where you can wear a hoodie or a t-shirt, pants right. or shorts, flip-flops or sneakers, or some any combination of any of that. It's like perfect non-weather. Right. We had uh, last week was kind of the last weird weather. May May uh, May twelfth was the last kind of cold snap. But we had last week, you know. No, wait. Pro- oh, wait. Well, we're we're approach- I'm talking to Celsius now, of course, as we, as we're, we're going to do this. But when you say like it was the last, co- like it's going to be like twelve degrees, and you guys be like, "Well, it's not that cold, eh?" Right, right. <laughs> the Canadians come down here. The Canadians come down here, and they're out in the ocean and stuff in like February and March. And they were swimming in the pools in January. Like they don't care. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's nice. Oh, it's not too cold. That's like uh, in, in Ireland uh, when it hits like it's 10 degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but uh, it's sunny out. The sun's out. So they're out in like their, their sports bras and shorts just running. Right. And, uh, you know, it's pr- still pretty chilly over here. But last week we had a day where it was still snowing and there was like maybe one to two inches accumulation. And then the next day we're back to like sunshine t-shirt weather. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, the, where I'm at in America is South Carolina, and the weather here is kind of crazy. Like, it will right. be, like, to us, freezing in the morning, which, if you live where I live, if the sun goes down, people put on jackets. Like, it doesn't even matter, like, how, what the actual temperature is. If the sun's not out, people are wearing jackets. Mm. But we will have frost in the morning and, like, oppressive sweaty heat in the afternoon, yeah, and then it'll go up and down sometimes throughout the day. Cool, man. Um, so have you been in Myrtle Beach for a long time? Is that kind of... No, I lived, I've lived here for only about five years. No, 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 no. Seven, eight years. 
I lived in Columbia, South Carolina, about three hours away. Okay. But I've been in South Carolina pretty much my whole life. Okay. And can you go into a little bit about your background? Because uh, we'll get to YouTube channel and, and kind of how I came across you. But, uh, you know, and I, I don't know too much about you, but I know you came from a law enforcement background. Yeah, I was a police and, officer. Uh, yeah. I was a police officer for eight years. The majority of that was uh, in a very high volume rural area. So like lots of chases, lots of fights, lots of like running and going in the woods. I was on the SWAT team. I was a bloodhound handler. I was the head of the field training division. So I was in charge of all new recruits and all new hires. Uh, They began and ended their training with me. And I was a lifelong martial artist. And I thought I was the shit. Like I thought I knew how to fight and then I just never tried to arrest anybody that actually could fight. I was in like 200, (laughs) I think that I don't remember the final number, but I know when I counted it, it was over the figure I always cite when I'm trying to explain how much experience I have over 200 documented uses of force, Right. which is a lot in eight years. Like some people, if you have a law enforcement, you'd be like, that doesn't sound right. Where I worked, you could get into a chase or a fight every single shift if you wanted to, if you even tried. If you stopped four cars, you were going to be in a chase or a fight. Um, So it was crazy those years spent there, but those are largely dudes that didn't know what they were doing. And then one day, a guy, I went to arrest him, and I was having more trouble than usual, and I was confused, and I was like, all right, he should be giving up. He should realize that this is not working. And he kind of hip tossed me a little while I had him. I had him in a a half Nelson and a body lock. Okay. And I had him pushed against the car and I was just telling him to hold still. We were kind of in that. Are we about to do this stage? Like it wasn't a full on fight. And he sort of shucked me a little bit. And, uh, I was like, Oh my God, he just used his hips to displace my balance basically. And he was like the same size as me. He was a little guy. I'm a small guy. And, uh, after the, the big long, the fight went on long, uh, blood and guts war story fight type thing later, I was like, yo dude, you know, what were you doing? And he was like, oh, I just wrestled in high school. I was like, that's it. He's like, yeah, I just wrestled in high school. Cause usually after you fight a guy, sometimes you become friends, like on the ride to the jail, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have yeah. this, this like <laughs> bonding moment with the guy where you're cool and you're like, ah, oh, that was a good one. And they'll usually apologize and you'll apologize. You'd be like, yeah, man, no, it's cool. I understand. Like you didn't want to go to jail. You know, I got a job. Yeah, you got a job to do. You were just doing your job. Sort of that happened. And he told me that he wrestled in high school and that he wasn't even very good. And I was like, man, that's crazy. So I went immediately and signed up at an MMA school. I wanted to learn wrestling. So I signed up at an MMA school because as an adult, that's really your only chance to wrestle Mm. is an MMA. We are, we're, we're lucky in the area. We have, um, our MMA schools and stuff are run by a lot in the, in the Southwestern Ontario region, a lot of high caliber wrestlers. So uh, we have some really, really good uh, MMA athletes here that have really, really strong wrestling. So that's really, uh, yeah, yeah, for us, <laughs> yeah, for us Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, how, you said you're essentially a lifelong martial artist. How did you, uh, you know, get, get into teaching that? Did that come before or after law enforcement? Or, and then kind of how did you get into creating the kind of content that you create and teaching the kind of syllabus that you teach, uh, you know, that uh, – that's what attracts it to me to your to your videos and to what you do on YouTube. Because I, I couldn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do this, but I couldn't find this. It didn't exist, so I had to create it. Like this, the brick and mortar school that I run, there, I wanted to join a school like that, but there wasn't one, so right. I had to make one. I don't recommend 
I don't recommend becoming an instructor or opening your own school. <laughs> like I do have a calling to do it. I feel like I'm good at it. I wish that I didn't have to. I wish I could just be in the classes and someone higher level than me run them. But there was no one doing what I wanted, which was essentially bridging the gap because there is a gap between dorky, nerdy LARPers who can't fight and then professional MMA fighters. And then there's this huge disconnect between those two groups. Mm. And I feel like I am kind of in the first group, but I would like to be more like the second group. I want to find a middle ground. So I want to be able to spar, but not get my nose broken and my neck broken <coughs> on a biannual basis, which is what was happening to me. I was getting injured very regularly um, in the pursuit of proficiency and mm. martial effectiveness. I was getting injured at an alarming rate. Uh, and there were people, the other people, other people didn't experience what I experienced because they wouldn't stick with it. You know, if a guy has neck surgery because everyone's been neck cranking him for every night and not explaining to him why he's getting neck, like no one was helping me. No one was like telling me why this was happening or why I was getting hurt. No one explained it to me. It was always just, oh, this is just, this is just part, that's part of it. Injuries are part of the game. Yeah. And it was always someone who was big, strong, and good at fighting that just told me I just had to deal with that. Like someone who'd never been in my position. I didn't want to be a professional fighter, but I wanted to learn how to fight. And uh, so I just stuck it out and stuck through more of it than most casuals would stick through. And then I knew that not only was there like a need for that, there's a market for it. There are people who want to learn how to really fight, kind of, you know, they, but they're not ready to go all in. And that was an underserved population, both in brick and mortar, you know, flesh and blood training and digitally, there was not a lot of online content for like that guy, like the guy who goes to the MMA class, but maybe they don't spend a lot of individual time with him. He doesn't quite understand what's going on in there. And he doesn't also want to wear like silk pajamas and, you know, do flips. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah what was it? Uh, was you though saying that? Uh, it may have been you. There's five people that wanted to learn how to spin some nunchucks and cut to 20 in Japanese. <laughs> I did not say that, but that's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. make no mistake, I don't care if people do that. When I, I joke a lot, I, crack, I joke on people remember me taking shots at karate, and they remember me taking shots at kung fu, and they remember me taking shots at aikido, and they, they hear what I'm saying and think, oh, he's like anti-TMA. That's just a BJJ guy. I'm a BJJ white belt, and I never wrestled. Right. I'm hardly an MMA guy, right? And the MMA guys say, oh, he's in it, you know, he's doing videos with Kung Fu guys and Aikido guys and karate guys. He's a dork. So like neither side can see that. <laughs> There's a whole group of people that kind of like all that stuff. Right, right. And they like to learn how to fight, but they also like learning interesting things and having fun and not everything has to be so serious from either end. That's kind of the group that I'm trying to be a part of and reach. So many videos that I, I find absolutely hilarious. Now, some, so I found myself going on like a hard to hurt YouTube rabbit trail <laughs> a couple of times because yeah. I'll, I'll, you, you first came up with my suggested videos, right? So I check on one of the videos and then I'm like, oh, I like what he has to say. And then you see the next one and then you just, that's it. You're just going through a whole, a whole huge list of them. And uh, I so imagine if it, if it does it out of order, <laughs> it's really weird. 
I wonder well, what yeah. that's like. You, you can you can judge the uh, progression of videos by progression of beard length. <laughs> well, but that jumps all over. But also, yeah. I contradict myself a lot. Well, like, as you, as you should when you if you're if you're growing, right? Like you. you yeah. You well, sometimes you it's out. intentional too because oh. I'm <laughs> just I'm just playing with you know I'm just the puppet master. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one thing I really I really appreciate, man, is some of your impressions. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of on on YouTube of both Ramsey Dewey and Master Wong. They're both great. And, and your impression of them in one of the one of your uh, videos about their beef was absolutely hilarious because you do a perfect impression of both of them. Uh, you do a, a damn good impression of Jesse Uncamp, the the karate nerd. Uh, all these guys, I'm watching your impressions and uh, they're, they're cracking me up. So good on you for that. <laughs> the impression of the impression of Master Wong. I that one I had worked, I had worked on, like I knew how to do that one already. <laughs> and then when him and Ramsey Dewey started beefing my, that impression of Ramsey Dewey is actually not that good. <laughs> I've told other people this before in your mind, it sticks out as good because to do an impression that people think is funny, you don't actually have to get it that right. You just have to get like one thing, right? Yeah, it's like a caricature, right? Like the, you right. oversize one thing. Right. If, yeah. if you get one specific thing, like, like me blinking a lot, like just the fact that I was blinking a lot, <laughs> it just, it like, it you triggered the, the, that the in your mind. Blinking a lot in the rigid movements. I really, yes, <laughs> I've actually gotten better at it. I've practiced it. It's actually better now. That was just, I threw that at the wall. That, that was like one afternoon. I could do wall already. And I was like, I wonder if I could do Ramsey do and do like a head to head. And I, I don't know how to edit. Right. Like I want to do like more like stuff where I do like a green screen and like, gotcha. like yeah, yeah. have conversations with each other and stuff like that, but I don't know how to do any of that. So I just, I, I just play with the format. I pretend that it's an intentional stylistic choice the way I do the videos. But the actual truth is I use windows movie maker and I don't know how to do <laughs> a green screen or any, or split screen or any of that. Uh, they're pretty good, man. Uh, you know, a lot of people that uh, a lot of people that watch this uh, or listen to this podcast or follow Instagram or whatnot uh, are themselves uh, self-defense combatants or martial arts instructors of, of various uh, you know various colors. And you uh, have quite a successful YouTube channel. And I don't know when you got into it, but uh, I you know how how have you how have you built that? How have you built that for yourself? How's what's the response been like? Obviously, I guess good. <laughs> right. So it was. Uh... December 31st, 2017, right, is when I uploaded my first serious, like my first real attempt at being a YouTuber type video, right? So New Year's Eve. And then so then in 2018, 2019. So we're coming up on two and a half years is essentially where we're at. In the first year, I was doing it all wrong. And now if people are curious, if other martial arts instructors, self-defense uh, either experts or pundits or whatever. I, I originally was trying to put myself forth as an expert and I wasn't, I was not one. Um, I was sort of like my, you know, too big for my britches at that point. I kind of thought the channel was, I thought that what I had to say about the subject was more important than it was. I thought that the things I was doing were more valuable to people than they were. I was doing vlogs I was showing like a lot of dry technique tutorials and I was just not doing, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. And it just didn't, it didn't perform. It didn't do anything, you know? And then I started doing some more uh, comedic stuff and then I stopped trying to make the techniques so perfect. And I thought more along the lines of, man, I wish somebody had told me this shit when I was learning how to do this. Not like, oh, your hand goes here and your foot goes here and this does this. And when they do this, you do that. 
which is like the type of shit that I hated to begin with. And I said, you know, I just wish people would tell me like, hey, you know, sometimes you got to bite down on your mouth guard and go forward and you're going to take hits, but you need to learn how, you know, like just more like uh, overall strategies for learning and growing and developing as a martial artist or a fighter. And no one was scratching that itch for me. And I was like, that's what I want. I want someone to, I wish someone had told me how to not get my neck, you know, the, the vertebrae in my neck herniated from poor practice at jujitsu and not understanding what was happening to me in jujitsu. I wish someone had helped me with that. So that's the direction I took the channel and I stopped trying to, I didn't do many vlogs. I stopped trying to like show off what I knew or establish my credibility or establish, you know, uh, my relevancy, you know, I made it less about me and more about what I could do for a guy watching. And then it was like, it took off. It took off. And I never had to adjust. I never, after I made that adjustment, I, I was watching uh, another YouTuber, a guru, a YouTuber guru named Sonny Lenarduzzi. She's a <laughs> Canadian too. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's funny, as much as I hate Canadians, some of my favorite people are Canadians. <laughs> yeah, but she's she, great. Yeah, she's excellent. She gave the advice. Rule number one, nobody knows who you are. Rule number two, nobody cares. Mm. Right. And when I heard that, I went and looked at my channel and I was like, well, that's, a, that's the problem. So I completely changed the strategy then. That was halfway through 2018, I guess. And I have not had to change it since. I have not changed the formula or the strategy or the direction I changed it recently, but I didn't have to do that to make it grow. And in fact, I've even slowed down in growth because of the recent direction my content has taken. But <clears throat> if you are putting out content to show how badass you are or to tell people how great you are, it's not going to work. Mm. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do me any good. How can you help me? That's why I'm going to watch your stuff. So when I did that, it took off. And I've always been, you know, um, I've always been like a YouTuber's YouTuber. Like other content creators, they dig like the meta stuff that I'm doing with my content. <laughs> you know, that, like the, the, the average viewer, the lay person will watch an impression video and they like Ramsey Dewey or they like Jesse and they watch this stuff and they're like, haha, that's funny. But then people who make the content see the, like the little touches that I put it in there for them. What that ended up doing is I got a, a big boost from a guy named Liquid Cadmus did a profile on me. Funker Tactical uh, through Aperture Fight Focused. He shared one of my videos. He, he like repurposed the video and uploaded it on his channel. And um, Quan Kicker featured me on his channel. And a ton of guys brought me on to, you know, fight commentary breakdowns brought me on. Like just a ton of the bigger, the guys ahead of me in the game brought me in because they appreciated my content and just kind of put me on, you know. And I wouldn't have had this success without them doing that. Hmm. Had nothing to do with, Oh, look at this cool stuff I did, or I used to do this, or I've done that. Nothing to do with that. I just did like the best job I could for the most people, and then it came back to me. Focus on the work and focus on providing that value. Like, like you said, put yourself in the mind of the guy surfing on YouTube looking for this kind of stuff. What does he want to see? Or she, yeah. as the case yeah. may be. Yeah. Who, ca who cares what you did 10 years? Like, um, and, it, and, it's, and it pains me, and I don't even... I don't think there's a single video where I've ever even explained like the, the law enforcement background bio. I've never even given that in a video. It would be helpful sometimes. It would shortcut a lot of the bullshit that comes with making that type of content. Like, look, dude, I was, a, I was a bloodhound handler. I know how to find a dude in the woods and drag him out of the woods. I did it a bunch of times, you know? But when you 
make content and you say, I did this and I did that and I'm certified in this, I'm certified that. No one gives a shit. Nobody cares. They want to know what you can do for them right now. That's right. Man, um, you, uh, you have a lot of uh, controversial, I guess, unpopular opinions that, are, uh, that I, I tend to agree with. Like no matter, no matter what the title of your video is, no matter what I think I'm getting into, I usually, uh, I, and this is not to like kiss your ass, <laughs> but I usually come up That's what a podcast is. You have your guest on, you tell them how fucking good right. he is, you know, uh, we all circle jerk each other. Right? Uh, I usually, I prefer left hand, by the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, Noted. I, I usually come out the end of the other uh, side of the video uh, being like, well, fuck, that made sense. And I really appreciate that perspective. What, I, I don't know if you had if, if the answer is too large for this, but what kind of gives you that perspective and that approach to this type of training and this type of co- uh, that type of content like violence, uh, self defense, real attacks. Um, so what what I do? We've talked recently on on some of my I do some content now that's about making content. You know, um, helping other people who want to do YouTube and stuff like that. What I do is called in journalism for those of you who don't know burying the lead. You know, I take the the thing that I'm trying to say and I put it deeper. So if you I intentionally make the, and it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say clickbait because the thing that I put in the title or the thumbnail, I do say in the video, I very, I never, and I might be a little uh, ambiguous with what I'm saying, you know, but I'm, it's never like a picture of a girl in a bikini and then that girl is nowhere in the video. Right, you know, right. that's, that's, I call that clickbait. Yeah. Um, I am a little sensational with the title and the thumbnail and usually the opening of the video but then I try to do exactly what you said. And by the end of the video, like bring it around and be like, I think I could probably sum it up. I've never thought too hard on it, but I could probably sum it up with, I think people just need to realize that largely everybody's just guessing that there's no like great answer. The guys that say, Oh, you definitely need to do this. Like they're full of shit. Right. And if they, if you asked, if you put them to it, they would be less reluctant. You know, if you put them really under pressure and said, what do we do right now? Right now, boss, they're shooting at us right now. What do we do? He'd be like, fuck, I don't know. You know, that's usually what happens. You know what I mean? Um, I recently did a video where I showed it like this, uh, just this goofy little flashlight trick, bouncing light off a ceiling, right? And I knew that the tactical Teds would all be like, oh, you never, I mean, there's people that think you don't use a weapon light because you don't want to give away your position. Like, no, weapon light is better. It's always better. I think it all boils down to, we don't really know. We're mostly just guessing and it's not that serious. You know, even when we're talking serious business, even when we're talking life and death or world championship fights, you know, the decisions we make are mostly guesses. Just, they might be educated guesses. Mm. You know, like we have a strategy, but dude, like sometimes if you get in the mind of world champions right in the moment that they won those world championships, they were not thinking like, oh, I need to move my shoulder four inches this way and then turn 16 degrees this way in order to be on this line of attack. Like, do they're operating off instinct. They've got a lot of practice. They built up their physical attributes and they're just doing their shit. <laughs> so I think sometimes when I say things that seem controversial and usually, usually the, I, I, always, I always do this with controversy because the arguments that I get back on my content Never have anything to do with what I said. Never. I, I can count on maybe two hands the number of comments I remember reading and thinking that they were addressing anything I said. And my standard reply is I'm like, what, 
can you give me a timestamp in the video where I said the thing you're arguing with? You know, they're usually filling in blanks and projecting their own ideas about it. I never said, uh, uh, just a prime example, I said, you're not, there's no such thing as a right-handed Southpaw. You're not a right-handed Southpaw. People went nuts. What about Bruce Lee? What about Lomachenko? And I intentionally make fools of these people because I bury the lead so far. They've usually <laughs> commented <clears throat> shit that I address in the video, you know, right. proving that they didn't even get to the point before they made their dumb little comment. The whole video is, to summarize, when you first start, when you go to your first class, you might feel like you want to put your strong hand in front. The coach is going to tell you not to do that. You'll feel like you feel better that way. Just go with what the coach is saying, and then you'll figure it out later. And then even here are some reasons where you might want to switch stances, right? That's, yeah. that's the video. How can you argue with that? How is that controversial? <laughs> that nothing in that statement is controversial. But what you have to do if you want to succeed on YouTube is I, I, you have to protect that seed, your little mm. thought seed. You have to put it in a little capsule so it can be carried. Because if you just say, hey, um, you should put your – dominant hand in the back at first until you learn more and just do what your coach says on your first day of boxing. Thank you. Please subscribe. <laughs> Nobody's going to watch that shit. That video is going nowhere. <laughs> but if I start the video with like, you're a doofus, you don't know what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. And people are like, nee, 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 nee. the idiots who are not going to learn anything or listen to it anyway can do what they want. But that video will reach more people and in turn help more people. How have you, uh... I, uh, with these podcasts, I'm cutting them up into clips to try and add more content onto YouTube and such. Uh, and deciding on taking the Patreon versus YouTube route or both and, and how you manage that. But how have you managed to monetize YouTube? Is it just after you hit a certain amount of subscribers and watch hours, you get the ads that are placed and then you get your ad revenue from AdSense and kind of that's kind of it? Because uh, I know you get products and stuff sent in for testing and, and review. And how, kind of how, what, what does, that, what does the behind the scenes of that uh, look like on, on your end? The ad, ad revenue for the big YouTuber YouTubers, the big guys that just not in our niche, but the big guys, I've heard that roughly ad revenue, you should shoot for that to only be 10% of your income. Like if ad revenue is the, all your income, you're doing it wrong. Um, I would say ad revenue is only 55 to 60% of my income like ad revenue is not the, for you guys who are interested in like putting your stuff out there and wanting to make a living and recently we've been touching on i don't i don't do this for the money but you need the money to do it right you know I mean? <laughs> if like if you can make a living doing it then you can do more of it it's yeah. it's crazy to me to think like i don't want to you know I, I i i think you shouldn't be profiting like what like it's a service that you're providing you should be compensated for it it's not you know um, in the beginning, I had success early on with monetizing my gear reviews because I always did them very honestly. Every time I got a piece of equipment, I had it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the brands that sent it to me are like, dude, what is up with this, <laughs> with this thing? And I said, I told you, when you send it to me, I'm going to need at least, and I would tell them, I'm going to need at least probably six weeks, two months with that thing before I do a review on it. And they would say, okay, and they'd wait two weeks and be like, what's up with the review? Never failed. Now the companies that we work with sort of know that, and they sort of send me stuff like, 
way in advance of when they they're going to need because what it is they're trying to time it out to go with a sale <laughs> or whatever you know but keeping your sh keeping your shit honest is just i could sum up i'm rambling if you want to make money on youtube don't try to make money on youtube sounds crazy but i've just generally found that the harder i think of like ooh, i'm gonna strategically try to suck money out of the system it doesn't happen when we made the stinger whip video <laughs> yeah I, we didn't have an affiliate link with them. We didn't have any kind of deal with them. They didn't pay us anything. We didn't even know that that video was going to do a lot of views. We just made the video. And in the end of the video, I said I couldn't really suggest it for self-defense. I recommended against carrying it. And like a, a week later, he messaged me and he's like, hey, so we've sold out of them. <laughs> and um, we want to bring you, and it was all because of me. He sold out the day that I released the video, you know? I never got paid for any of that. So then he gave me an affiliate link, you know, but that honesty that was built in and like that trust with your audience. Um, generally, I tell new YouTubers, try not to get the money out of your audience. Mm. Don't try to get money out of them. You see a lot of people trying to sell t-shirts or sell courses and I'm not, I sell t-shirts and I will sell courses, but I'm saying in the video, like buy my this, buy my that, mm -hmm. give me money, 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 money. Don't try to extract it from your audience. They'll give it to you. Patreon, uh, takes care of itself. I post a couple things here and there. I don't promise anything big. I don't beg people to go to it. And it's, it does pretty well. It takes care of itself. It makes sure that I get new equipment and make sure I can put out videos because I can set aside time from, you know, my brick and mortar business because I know that I'm getting X number of dollars per month to make videos. Mm -hmm. But I don't hard sell that. You should try to get the money from the brands because they'll pay you. How, uh, how do you structure it differently between your YouTube and your Patreon? I just, I don't, I don't do anything. My Patreon is not super high value. My Patreon is not like the best. So what I'll do, I'll get, give you an example. I will post, if I do a seminar, I'll record the whole seminar and put almost all <clears> of it on the Patreon. But it's real dry. I don't know that anyone really needs to watch that. I mean. If you're trying to learn, if you're the type of person that's paying for a Patreon, you probably are also buying other courses and stuff. So maybe you like learning that way. Um, it's just usually outtakes, bloopers, you know, and it's, it's a total like informal type of, of exchange and relationship. People can sign up or not sign up. I don't pressure anyone to sign up. I don't try to sell it. And when they sign up, I don't say, oh, you're going to get access to you know, X number of hours of class per week or courses per week. I do know creators that do that. Like their, their Patreon is scheduled and regimented and structured like a, like an online course, but there's other platforms for that. I use Patreon sort of in the spirit. It was intended as patronage. Like mm -hmm. you just like my shit and you want to see me make more of it and make sure I keep doing it. So here's this thing you can do if you want to or don't. Wait, wait. Um, I, I put, <clears throat> They, they, they are paying on Patreon for me to make YouTube content. So I, I make YouTube content. Mm. But like if I, have a, if I put up a video that's maybe got some sparring clips in it on YouTube, I'll put the whole round on Patreon. Right. Or if it took me a bunch of takes to do a jump kick and I fell a bunch of times and I hit my partner in the nuts one time, I'll put that, those clips on Patreon. Okay. Now, uh, something also that's very interesting to me <clears throat> is... Uh, Street beefs. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was looking at uh, getting into bare knuckle boxing recently and watching a lot of, uh, you know, 
whatever BKB I could find pretty much anywhere. And uh, there's a bunch of different, uh, like top dog fighting is like some Russian or the Czech something or other where they right. fight in like a hay circle. There's the UK Irish stuff. And then over here you have the Bernal Fighting Championships. And then uh, I came across something called Street Beefs. And I was watching Street Beefs fights. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. You want to talk and about I'm, a rabbit hole going down yeah, a rabbit oh, hole. Oh, man. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then, then I hop over to your channel and you talk about fighting on Street Beefs. So then, uh, you know, you have you, – you kind of break it up clip by clip and you're, you're talking about it because people are calling you a dick for not, like, shaking the guy's hand or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Ninja uh, Ron. How, how does one get into Street Beefs? It's easy. And it's, it's – like, uh, I don't want to get you in trouble here. I don't know what like sanctions there are or anything like that in that state or, or where it even well, is. Well, I'm American. <laughs> I'm American, so we can do what we want. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. It might be, might be a foreign concept. I don't know. We can go do whatever we want whenever we want to anybody, anywhere. No, um, in Virginia, it's legal. There's no law. Yet. They don't take any money. No one makes any money. No one bets. No one pays. No one pays admission. They don't even sell con concessions. You know, like they don't – It's it's the same as if we got together and sparred. Mm. It's the same. We just, they just put it on YouTube. People want it to be, they, p haters want to pull it, break it down and see it torn apart, but it's safer. Their track record for safety is better than any amateur MMA organization I've ever, ever <laughs> seen. Like every regional show, somebody's going to a ho the hospital. Somebody's going to end up in the hospital. Do you know that almost never happens at street beefs? Like never. <laughs> It's crazy. What are, what's the rule set you have to play by on Street Beefs? Uh, they, um, they customize it, whatever you're into, whatever you're interested in. If you want to do just boxing, they do just boxing. If you want to do MMA, they do MMA. If you want to do kickboxing, they'll do kickboxing in MMA gloves, which they were early to do that. And now look at, look at um, the Muay Thai matches now where they're doing them in four-ounce gloves. And I kind of think that's how Muay Thai was meant. I kind of think that's how it should be done. Um, they'll, they have a rule style called cage boxing, which is like Greco Roman wrestling plus boxing. So you can throw and trip, but no kicks and no ground fighting. They do submission matches. They do, they do whatever, you know what I mean? Like you can, one of mine, um, they do their MMA fights are under pretty much UFC rules, you know, unified, you know, mixed martial arts rules. But I remember when I went, I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not trying to do, uh, elbows because it was when i fought Corey guns i was like i don't want to do elbows or knees to the head because i wanted to keep it under amateur rules because in in here here amateur mma you can't knee to the head or throw any elbows you mm -hmm. can knee to the body punch kick everything else but no elbows and no knees to the head and he said sure no problem you know so they do the rules whatever you whatever you want but getting in getting <laughs> into street beast is easy you just join the street beast facebook group and then you go to street beefs you you join the street beast face group facebook group say i want to fight and then show up their whole <laughs> motto is glove up or shut up they're not right. about all that internet shit talk like right. people join their facebook group and start doing this and they're like look hey we don't do that here like <laughs> we're gonna fight bro like if you want to talk shit we're gonna fight how did how did, how did you uh, get about uh, get about getting involved with that so originally my plan originally to get into YouTube was super, super lame and negative and shitty and terrible and was the opposite of everything I'm doing now. My plan was to be the first person ever on the internet to start trolling people and be like, this is 
bullshito, this is garbage, this would never work in a real fight. And have the person be like, yes, it would, fight me, bro. And me be like, okay, you know, I was gonna be, that was gonna be my thing. And so that happened a couple of times. That's how I ended up in street beefs. I was talking shit on the internet. Someone challenged me to a fight and I said, okay. And that was like a, I imagined since it was so rare, I mean, it happens, but it's so rare. I imagined that I was going to shake up the system. That was my ego. And that was that early attempts at YouTube that I was talking about won't work. I thought that if I accepted fights, challenges to internet fights, showed up and fought, that that would be humongous. I just thought I would break the internet. You know what I mean? Um, it didn't. People didn't care because what value was I providing other than the spectacle and some entertainment, which was, in, I mean, they did lots of views. They did hundreds, hundreds of thousands of views, but it didn't put me on the same way like, hey, here's a little trick I learned for wrapping my hands to keep my knuckles protected. Mm. Hey, here's, here's a, a pair of focus mitts I really like. Hey, here's, here's a technique I use. I'm not real good at throws. Here's a throw I use because I'm not good at throws. That, that's what put me on YouTube. So my original plan, I also was a huge fan. I was a mega fan of Street Beefs. I went down, the, I, the same thing happens to every guy that finds Street Beefs. They're like, dude, I found this channel called Street Beefs. And then like a week later, they like look up from their phone and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> so many hours of Street Beefs fights. It's addictive. I did that same thing. And I was like, I always dreamed of fighting there. And uh, I got challenged to a fight online by a ninja and said, okay. And I went and fought a ninja in a backyard. Respect to that guy too, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I find that a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to say a lot, I guess a lot in my own individual experience, but those like, uh, ch there's some sort of political quarrel in the martial arts or self-defense camps. And somehow the way to solve it is you can earn my respect by stepping in the ring and punching at my face for a few rounds. Uh, it seems so silly sometimes, but uh, it, it, I can, I can it's kind of dumb. It. It's kind of dumb because it doesn't prove anything. <laughs> it just proves that you can, it, like, if you say something and I think it's wrong, like, if you say that uh, you don't need to put your hands up when you're fighting, and I say, which this is a silly example, but I'm like, that's not true. You should put your hands up. And you're like, fuck you, pussy, fight me. And I'm like, okay. And then you fight me with your hands down and you beat me up, that doesn't prove that fighting with your hands down is good. No. It just proves that you <laughs> can beat me up, right? That doesn't, prove that, that doesn't prove the thing that we were originally arguing about. It just proves that you can beat me up, which is meaningless. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so do you, uh, do you ever get a chance to, because you, you have your brick and mortar school, you have your, and I'm assuming that's your full-time thing. And you have all the, the videos you're producing as well. Do you ever get a chance or get a request to go as uh, travel itinerant, uh, teaching seminars, workshops, things like this? Um, I'm, I was getting close to that. And I had, I'd been asked by a couple of um, schools to come out there and do some stuff. The, uh, obviously, the coronavirus, it was, it was happening. I was breaking into that just as the COVID-19 pandemic struck. Like, this was going to be the year I traveled. Um, I was going to, I had a seminar, uh, booked in Dallas. I was going to travel to New York to do some things. I'd planned on booking a trip on my, of my own volition to Thailand to train and film content. And I was going to start doing more of that, but I've been hit up by a few people. Um, one, one or two kind of like big things that I can't 
I don't really want to get into yet that I'm sort of, I don't want to jinx it. It's not like, oh, I, I can't talk about it. It's like, I don't want to say it and then it fall through because they're, right. they're honestly kind of like a big deal. I'm, pr- I'm pr- kind of like, <laughs> right. But I just don't want to like put it out there and be like, that guy was full of shit. He was never going to do that. Um, I'm open to the idea. One, one thing that is tough is I do have this brick and mortar school and I have a family and it's hard with YouTube. I'm at this stage with YouTube. I can kind of go either way. I could go all in on YouTube. I actually work, I work three days a week at the studio and I work four days a week at YouTube. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that the studio is my full-time job. I only, I'm only there three days a week. I only just make sure that the studio breaks even and then I don't take any more on any more clients than that. Because I think from a, not just from a financial standpoint, but from a use of my time standpoint, I could hold pads for an hour for one guy or I could make a video that hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people extract value from forever. And it just seems like now we finally reached that point where that seems to make a little more sense than holding pads for a guy for an hour. Not that I, don't, I like holding pads. You know, I'm not saying I don't like doing that or I don't like training clients. But just from a standpoint of like the most efficient use of our time, we've kind of figured out that YouTube might actually be it at this point. It wasn't always like that. I used to do 50-hour weeks in the studio. But we figured since we've been able to reopen, we were like looking at the schedule. And I went all in during the pandemic. I went all in online. Like I was doing stuff every day. And it just didn't make any, like, I was like, so I go back, do I go back to work in seven days a week at the studio? I was like, I don't want to do that. I won't be able to do all this other stuff I was doing this whole time. So looks like we might be scaling that back. If, um, if people, if people might, they do want to get a hold of you, uh, how do they, how do they contact you? How do they find you? Just look in your suggested videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, I'm, uh, well, obviously the YouTube channel hard to hurt. I've been trying to, grow on Instagram. I'm at on, I'm everywhere at I C Mike P I C Y M I K E P. That's what it is. And on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, kit.co everywhere. I've got that. I got that screen name everywhere. <laughs> how, but, uh, uh, how did you come out? How did, uh, how did I see Mike? How, how did that come up come to be? Um, that's a funny story. I've never told it. I'll tell it to you because it's not really that interesting. Um, we were 14 or 15 and my friend's brother got arrested and he went to jail and his little brother was mad at him and said we could go in his room and take any of his stuff that we wanted. So I got a microphone stand, a studded pyramid belt. And I said, I said, are you sure we can have this? And he said, yeah, he's not ever coming back. And we're like, he's going away forever. He says, yeah, we can get rid of his stuff. Dude, he was like going to juvie for like a couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> we didn't know. We 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 saw people that went to jail. We just figured we were dumb. You know, like oh, he went to jail. I guess we'll never see him again. And uh, <laughs> he told us we could have whatever we wanted. We found some hustler magazines. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and there was an there was a a dictionary, like a glossary of terms in hustler magazine. And one of them was icy Mike. And apparently, an an icy Mike is. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm gonna try to tiptoe around this because I don't know what like what level <laughs> we're at here on explicitness. <laughs> when you urinate inside a condom right. and then freeze it to be used as a marital aid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so that's what an icy mic is. And we being 14 and you can imagine, just imagine like Beavis and Butthead laughing, <laughs> you know, like we were look reading that and like, that's <laughs> icy Mike. <laughs> Your name's Mike. Yeah. My name's Mike. Let's call me icy Mike. And then I see Mike born. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. There's the urinating in the condom. Your last name begins with a P. With so a P. So I always use Icy Mike P. Meant yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, man, thank you for, so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. Um, I will say uh, one thing. I think we talked probably a little bit more about content creation than martial <laughs> arts and self-defense. Um, <laughs> that's what I've been going into lately. And I actually have started a second channel. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, let's chat about that for a minute. Yeah, it's youtube.com forward slash I see Mike P. (laughs) I got, I nailed that. Dude, I was so happy. I got the dot com. I got all the screen names everywhere. I'm so happy. Makes it super easy. Um, But there I'm doing a lot of uh, business advice. And now I, I approach the business advice same way I do the martial arts. Like I'm not an expert. I cringe when people say martial arts and self-defense instructor. Mm. I'm mostly just like, I'm mostly like just a, a distributor. You know, I, I get, I get the information wholesale and then I just make sure it's easier for consumers to get it's, I'm not, I've invented a couple of things, but I'm not like a guru or a master or an expert or a black belt or any of that. Um, with the business advice and content creation information, it's largely the same. It's just been my experiences, little shortcuts. Should I wish I knew? Like the aforementioned when I was starting in YouTube and I thought like, oh, look how cool and great it is. Look, I'm going to Virginia to fight in underground fight clubs. I'm calling out ninjas on the internet. Like, isn't this cool? And like a couple people watched, you know, but uh, the new channel is going to be help for martial arts professionals, fitness professionals, aspiring YouTubers and content creators. And uh, it's going to be kind of the repository for the, you know, clips. We do, I do a podcast similar to this one. And yeah, then I, I, was usually, say, yeah. I usually chop clips out of it and put those in there. You do uh, uh, a lot of uh, live, uh, live feeds, do you not? I just started doing that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it actually, it actually has hurt the channel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, but it was in a, it's, a, it's in a tactical way. Like that's intentional when I go live. Cause the thing is, what's the point? What were we trying to do? We're trying to help guys make their hook better. We're trying to help them make their footwork better. We're trying to show them a variation on a push up. We're trying to recommend them boxing gloves. That's what people signed up for. Now me going live and kids asking me how they can find girlfriends and shit. You know what I mean? And they don't, they don't, some people didn't sign up for that. So while you're live, you actually lose subscribers mm. a lot of times. And the rate at which we are growing subscriber wise has dropped. You know, I was, I was gaining 15,000 subscribers a month, but now it's more like 10 or 11 a month, you know, while I'm doing this. Cause it's not, yeah. this, it's not, they're not in the same stuff. But it's a short-term strategy for a long-term goal. I want to build up this podcast to build up this other channel. And then, and I'm already moving back towards where I separate them so that if you're just into hard-to-hurt stuff, you want fitness tips, self-defense techniques, things like that, that's your channel. But if you want to learn how to like make videos about those things, which is a smaller group of people, but they need to be served, they need this information, Mm -hmm. that's over there. Well, I don't know if you found this. I found it looking through analytics that... You know, AM is 75 uh, to 25% male to female split on, on both YouTube and Instagram. That's pretty good. 75, 25? Yeah. I, I got um, 
it it's it bulks in the kind of 25 to 44 range that's kind of where the bulk of the majority of people are that many female viewers is really good well, that's good uh, i do try to focus some content specifically on women's self-defense and we do local courses for women only uh, specifically that might that might help that actually my most viewed video was a i have these weird things i'll have like 100 video views on this 50 views on this and this one video has like 190,000 views or <laughs> 175,000 views or something and it was one sexual assault one to do with my wife i don't know why why that happens wow dude i'm looking at mine 96 percent male to 3.9 percent female wow but I think may, that's probably typical for YouTube in our niche, in our like yeah. in the types of things we do. That's what I was going to say. There's, there's, I think two strategies that you can employ. Uh, well, two of many, I'm sure. But in it is, is one creating kind of the, a woman focused content to have like women involved in women instructors, whatever to kind of attract that. But it makes sense to me that I have that 75, 25, mostly in my age bracket because that I'm the guy in the video, putting the videos out and the guy there. It makes sense that people that are watching it are like you. And so essentially you're not in kind of painting that picture of the future you want. You're, you're essentially just marketing to your own demographic. Yeah. You're like, I'm making videos for myself, you know, right. I'm making, yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, that's actually, I've noticed lately, it's just more striking when a, a woman comments on, I've noticed them on Instagram a lot lately. And a lot of times I include my wife in the videos sometimes. And, um, you know, women always like, grab it they're like oh i see someone i can relate to it's going mm -hmm. through what i'm going through and has gone through what i've gone through and but there that's actually probably pretty that's actually interesting so stop making videos for myself make videos for who i want to reach which might be a bigger group of people than just myself yeah and then maybe yeah, there'll be such a sausage party over here <laughs> my buddy and i a long time ago the best thing uh, ever said we go to this bar of course, we're looking for ladies as we go, and we go in. There's the one girl bartender, and the rest of it's guys in there. And we get up to the bar. We have a drink anyways, and the one guy turns to my buddy. He says, it's two dudes for every dude in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sausage party. But, no, that's amazing. Those are amazing. I, I bet, I guarantee that my analytics split male to female are typical. And I even thought, I was guessing mine were high. Because they've only gotten that high. It used to be 1% or 2% female. You know, and only recently has it started to knock on four. Oh, wow. And uh, I just thought as I, as I grew, and also I feel like, you know, the other thing, my content lately has become, in my opinion, a little more mature. You know? It's, I mean, we still do dumb shit. I still shot Kristen in the head with a pepper ball gun. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we pepper spray each other and, and kick each other in the balls and all that. We still do all that stuff. But I've also started including content is I think a little more has a little more weight to it and a little more seriousness. So I could see where it would ap appeal to a broader audience and not just a bunch of people that miss jackass. Is the, is the podcast live? Uh, you've done so, is it a, the live podcast or have you done some YouTube lives, uh, separate from a podcast? I do it a couple different ways. Okay. So we started out using an app called Podbean, which lets us bring in live callers. Like I can bring in anybody and they can use their phone and they can talk and I can hear them and the other listeners can hear them. It's like a live call-in show. And I was sort of doing that for a while and that was really fun. Well, then Podbean lost a episode I did with Eli Knight, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor, really great Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. We had an amazing conversation. It was like 
probably the best content I'd ever done in that format. Podbean lost it. And uh, I was like, dude. So I started tinkering with OBS and seeing if I could stream to YouTube and capture Podbean and put it to YouTube. And it worked so that I would have it in two places in case I lost it somewhere. Right. And then that, that format kind of like blew up. People enjoyed watching it on YouTube and hearing the callers. And people liked being able to call in and be heard. So I thought, you know, a lot of people take questions. They read the comment section and they take questions. But I thought having being able to bring people on and have their voice be heard, I thought was really powerful. So we've been doing that every Wednesday night at 9. Every Wednesday night at 9, we do that uh, on Hard to Hurt. Um, usually I'll stream it on Hard to Hurt because that obviously has the bigger audience. Then I'll pull it down and I usually take most of those clips and put them on the second channel because it usually is not punching and kicking related. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we do talk a lot of martial arts, but it's never like, hey, do you think you should do this with the uppercut or that with the uppercut? It's usually stuff like a guy calls me and says, hey, I feel like I'm dying at my Krav Maga school because the stuff they're teaching is bullshit. They don't want to experiment with anything. They won't let us spar. They, what should I do? And we talk about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I say the content's become a little more mature, it's gone beyond like, which way do I turn my fist when I throw a hook, right, you know, right. <laughs> um, and now it's more like, Hey, how do I find the right school for me? Hey, uh, I had a bad experience of sparring. Like what do I, so it's become more like that. But occasionally what we're doing now, and I'm trying to do this now, I just recently interviewed, uh, Joe from fight. Perfect. Fight Perfect was a YouTube channel that got deleted recently. And, uh, the format for theirs, I'm going to be bringing people on and sort of deconstructing, um, Similar to the way I do my martial arts and fitness content, sort of like deconstruct the idea, turning it on its head. The whole episode, you know, everyone was like, oh, that was messed up. The fight perfect got deleted. My whole position was that they should have got deleted. They deserved to get deleted and they knew they were going to get deleted and proceeded anyway. And then made a case for it. And just like you said with the YouTube video, by the end of it, everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> even, even Joe was like, yeah, you tried to tell me, man, I wouldn't listen. You know, <laughs> and I got myself deleted. Um, Tomorrow, I'm interviewing Dan the Wolfman Theodore. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, you should tune in for that because he is a character and he's got some <laughs> problems. And he's, he's, he's part of the old school YouTube martial arts crowd. And he's recently done some old school like clout chasing call outs, you know, where he's calling people out in videos of him sitting in his living room, talking to his phone, you know, um, and then uploading it, you know, 15 minutes of him sitting on his couch talking about how stupid I am or how I can't fight or how, you know, he's, his shit is better. Just clout. The, the way that YouTube worked like 10 years ago, right, right. you know, and uh, so I'm going to bring him on. I'm going to give him, <laughs> I'm going to give him what he wants, what he thinks he wants anyway. Right. And, uh, but when I do that, it's funny cause I'll, 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 I'll deconstruct him, but also there's going to be a link to his channel, to his paid courses, all that in the description. Ultimately, the goal will be by the end, hey, what you're doing is not working. This is what you should be doing. Right. You know? You know, it's funny. We talked about before kind of that whole bravado in the martial arts or self-defense industry of, hey, come and earn my respect by fighting me. But here we are. And you're saying, you can have a be with me? Come on my podcast and talk with me yeah. <laughs> by the end. Let's see if we can sell some courses for you and see if we can get you some new subscribers. Right? That's, well, that's, that's how I do it. And if you saw recently, you know, I did the parody of Jesse Encamp. And I was, yeah. I, was not, I was not mean, but I was not kind. It was all humorous, but it wasn't like 
it wasn't nice, you know? <laughs> what did he do? He brought me on his channel, taught me a kata, gave me a free karate lesson. And yeah. it was an amazing, it was like super fun, you know? And it just turns the whole idea of like conflict on its head, you know? Absolutely. Like, oh, you don't like what I do and I don't like what you do. Fuck you, let's fight. Like, what is that? It's so dumb. <laughs> it does nothing. Like, I'm five foot five. I weigh 145 pounds. I'm damn near 40 years old. And I suck at jujitsu. I have a herniated disc in my back. I've had neck surgery. Um, like, yeah, you'll probably beat me up. Fucking cool, man. Doesn't mean Aikido's any good. Just means <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like Dan, Dan is a humongous former professional fighter. He's big and strong and good at fighting. And he is a champion of Aikido. Like he believes in Aikido, right? And he's made Aikido work for him. He's also a catch wrestling expert. Uh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that, so, that kind of blurs the lines a little bit. Right, <laughs> yeah. So a, a, a big, huge, strong, barrel-chested catch wrestling expert will probably wrist lock me up and down the hallway. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I should send my wife to Aikido lessons to learn how to defend herself. That's right, not, right. didn't prove your point. There, that's, a, that's a good uh, a good little advertisement there for a principle-based a principle-based approach to self-defense self-protection because again you could be the barrel-chested catch wrestling expert or you could be the uh, stay-at-home mom or you could be anyone in between and yeah. you could have whatever disabilities and whatever limitations mobility all the all those issues so you have to kind of find a principles-based approach and then the tactics right. techniques you use are based on those principles it makes so much sense and it, and it brings it full circle when I was saying when I first started in MMA and I had these big, humongous, strong, athletic, young people who were good at fighting trying to tell me what I should be doing with my time and my training. And it's like, you can't relate to me. Like, that doesn't, none of what you're saying applies to me. Uh, oh, so I wasn't, I wasn't physically strong enough to resist, you know, like they say strength doesn't matter. Dude, you bench 350 pounds. You know what I mean? So you saying, I don't need strength, that's, that doesn't help. Okay, so maybe go lift some weights and get stronger. Well, how many days a week do I lift weights and I'm also coming to jiu-jitsu without getting injured? When do I recover? Like nobody helps. Yeah. Nobody will help you with those things if they, if they can't relate to them. So, you know, you know, Dan the Wolfman is a big, huge, strong guy, good at fighting. He could know anything and probably beat me up. You know, just like when I did the Karate Sucks video and they, you know, you know, when people want to argue with me about karate and they start naming karate guys and they'll say Leota Machida's name, like Leota Machida, <laughs> obviously like karate is so good because of Leota Machida exists. I'm like, dude, he would beat you up no matter what martial art he took. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't prove anything like, Oh, Leota Machida can beat me up. That means karate is the best martial art. That's yeah. ridiculous. Now you take that, that master at whatever it is they do and you, you kind of use them as the example. That happened with music as well. A uh, uh, jazz fan, trumpet player. And uh, I was just kind of idolizing my, my, uh, trump my, one of my favorite living musicians, so uh, trumpets, right? And I thought, oh man, to get one of those things would sound beautiful. And uh, my instructor, my trumpet instructor told me that, uh, you know, he, that, that's because that's, that's, that's him. I mean, don't, don't waste your money. He can blow on a lead pipe that's bent out of shape and make it sound like amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, so, m most of it is the, you know, is the player, the singer, the athlete itself. So very little of it has to do with the delivery system itself. Right. <laughs> um, more, more telling than what can a master do. What can a guy who kind of sucks and has been doing it for six months do? Ah. You know, because if it's, if it's karate or Aikido, that guy's going to get beat up. 
But if he's been wrestling for six months, he'd probably do some stuff. Yeah, man. You know? Doesn't mean wrestling's better than karate unless the question is, hey, I want to get pretty good at defending myself against people pretty quick. And I don't care about learning to count in Japanese. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I need, like I, I'm going to have to fight somebody off and save my own life in six months. What do I take? It's not karate. It's wrestling. Hey, I want to be pretty good at striking and I want to devote a large portion of my life to martial arts. I want to be a complete martial artist and I want to learn a lot of different things. I'm really interested in history. Go to karate class. Mm. You know, that's what they, they don't, everyone wants to be the best at everything. That's so ridiculous. That's impossible. You know, if you want to be really great at fighting, then you have to spend a lot of time doing it. If you want to be kind of good at fighting, you need to pick the shit that works the best and, and spend a moderate amount of time in it. You know, but if you're super into history and super into tradition and super into rest, respect and discipline and all that stuff, there's other stuff for that. But if the question is, I got to fight a guy. Yeah. You should probably learn boxing and wrestling. Yeah. You had a video about that in terms of being asked, you know, what should I, what should I train in for, you know, for real violence or for the street fights or whatever. And you, I don't want to take away, uh, <laughs> I want to direct people towards your video, but if you could touch on that what your recommendation was between your striking and your grappling, what you should choose because what you said made a whole lot of sense. Yeah. That was in when I did the Ryan Hoover and Eli Knight parody, yes. um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, you talked about the, the, the impressions being good. My Ryan Hoover is to date the only one that I would consider perfect. My Ryan Hoover impression <laughs> is perfect. So if any of your listeners know who Ryan Hoover is and you want to laugh, I nailed that one. Ramsey Dewey might've been a miss. My Quan kicker was okay. My Eli Knight was terrible, but Ryan Hoover, I nailed him. I got him so good. I met his son, and his son was like, dude, dude. <laughs> um, which pissed Ryan off even more that his son thought it was hilarious. You know? <laughs> um, but the, my end of that video, basically the, the, sto the story of that video was that you should learn both because neither is going to be the whole answer. But ultimately, the answer was, I said you should train the one that you like. Train the one that's fun, that you'll go to, that's close enough to your house that you can afford. That's what you should train. But if you are serious about defending yourself, you should spend six months in that other one that you don't like training. Mm. For me, I love boxing. I love kickboxing. I love Muay Thai. I do that all day, every day. I absolutely despise and hate Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I went and made sure I got my two stripes on my white belt in there, and I go back and I roll once or twice a month, right? Would I be better at fighting and better at self-defense <laughs> if I went every day to both of them? Probably not, because my neck would be broken again. <laughs> it would be unsustainable for me, but in a younger, stronger body that could resist, yeah, of course, if I trained all day, you're saying if you trained all day every day in, in every martial art, you'd be great at fighting? Yeah, duh. But if we're like, what should I train? The one you like, but fill in the blanks. Yeah, man. Excellent advice. Uh, with that, if everyone wants to find even more excellent advice, you can go check out Icy Mike P. Virtually everywhere, everywhere on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely everywhere. Uh, Twitter too. Oh, I don't, have, I don't ever tweet, but yeah, everywhere. It's Icy Mike P. Uh, and then on YouTube, check out Hard to Hurt, and two is the numeral, all one word, Hard to you Hurt. You got to make it a number and makes it cooler. That's right. And uh, the other one also for uh, doing this kind of thing, doing podcasts, business, uh, videos, 
at IC Mike P. Am I wrong? That's correct. <laughs> at youtube.com slash IC Mike P. Yep. Perfect. Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us and offer some value to the people. And I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, keep going with that luxurious beard. I uh, definitely like your style. <laughs> yeah. That makes you better, better at fighting. If you're bald and you have a beard, you're better at fighting. You have to have tattoos too. And then the trifecta is complete. I don't have any. No? Oh, you got to get one. I need to get them. Teardrop right there. Yeah, I'm getting them on my face. <laughs> That's Nobody right. messes with a dude with tattoos on his face. Oh. <laughs> All right, brother. You have a wonderful night. I'll talk to you soon. All right, later.